0: Good morning, fellow sinners. <laughs> um, Apostle Paul starts all his letters off with uh, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, it's uh, interesting when he starts his uh, letters. Uh, the thought that comes to my mind is uh, you have to accept God's grace before you'll ever have peace in your life. This last weekend, uh, myself and Rob and Jason, uh, we got to see God's glory down at, uh, as Matt said, Marshall County Correctional Facility. But uh, Jeff, one of our clergy that went in with this said he's changing the name to Marshall County Christian Fellowship. Um, There's uh, amazing things going on and uh, hopefully one day you men, uh, some of you men can as well go down and uh, see that. But one of the things we do, we we all write letters to each of these uh, uh, incarcerated that choose to go through kairos and um there's 42 of them so 42 letters i start out with grace and peace to you from god our father and lord jesus christ and uh kind of go into the talk about having peace in their life no matter what their consequences are no matter what their circumstances uh the difference between them and us as they got caught or we have better lawyers uh Fortunately, our lawyer is the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who's undefeated. So, um, But also I would put, but I wouldn't put the verse down in there, but I'd write the scripture and pray and hope that they would go to that scripture and read it. And it's Ephesians uh, 2, 8 and 9, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Um, last week, we were blessed to have one of our elders speak, Jeff Edwards. He was talking about Timothy and his ministry, and that Timothy was not timid. He forgot to mention that in Acts sixteen, Paul meets Timothy in Lystra, and Timothy was a disciple of Christ. It's actually mentioned in in Acts, and in verse three, Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews in that area. For all they all knew, this father was a Greek. Now, that's a manly man there. (laughs) I would have liked to have been at that party that Abraham had when he circumcised all his family at, I believe it was uh, 90 years old. That's a manly man. (laughs) Where there was a lot of Jack Daniels, that's for sure. But uh, as a reminder, though, we should all pray for the pastors and elders of this church. You know, we're called to pray continuously. And by doing that, we should include our, our pastors and elders and also our our further uh, brothers in Christ. But uh, as bad had mentioned, uh, I'm fortunate enough to lead a, a uh, adult Bible study here at 815 and uh, uh, they kind of get on to me sometimes because it bleeds into the service so I'm working on a hard stop there by 920 if anybody would join I see this would be a good group to invite because uh, you're actually up before 815 so I know y'all can make it on time so you're all all welcome so but I want to talk a little bit today about truth and I happened to notice, and this kind of dates my age I received this AARP bulletin uh, I don't know once a month But it something that kind of caught my eye It said false truth I thought, well that's a contradictory statement there Because something can't be false and true at the same time So I just threw it off to the side And said, I'm gonna, I'll have to read that later to try to understand that And then... Uh, Earlier this week, um, I saw an article, and uh, it says Biden says efforts to restrict transgender rights close to sinful. And of course, in uh, Genesis 127 it says that God created us in our own image, both male and female um, I had to, uh, President Joe Biden called efforts to restrict transgender rights in Florida close to sinful. So that that's kind of something, that's the culture we live in today though. So um, <laughs> in the book of Esther, there's a statement, in Esther in chapter one, you don't have to go to it, but it says, During the rule of King asuerus which was from four eighty six to four sixty-five BC, there's a verse that stands out, Then the king said to the wise men who knew the times, even the pagans recognize the times that they live in. And then in first Chronicles twelve, thirty-two, when David's Uh, assembling his army it says of Issachar men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do understanding of the times and uh, as mentioned in uh, our New Testament study we've been in the the book of Matthew for about two years (laughs) we're this is the slow class, so if you miss a week, you, you're not too far behind, right, Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're only called to do two things as Christians. is Number one is weigh the cost, and then number two is be salt and light. And Jesus starts off his um, talk on the sermon, think of it as, uh, we think of it as, a sermon to the crowds, but it was a sermon to his disciples. The Sermon on the Mount is a Christian constitution, and we sometimes forget about that, and as we read it, we say, well, they ought to be this way, and uh, then they would understand. But it starts out with what the Christian character looks like in uh, in the, the Beatitudes, as they are known, and uh and then it ends up in chapter seven, and it gets a little bit more cutting because it's broke down to talking about uh how we should look at ourselves. I've made mention once that jesus said if you if if uh you know adultery you start out by lusting in your eyes and you should poke out your eyes, and I'm thinking, why't there more?" One eyed men walking around. And what he's actually saying, sometimes you don't take that literally, but in the, you need to take it and deal with your thoughts severely when you have those thoughts. That's why we should pray continuously. But uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Matthew 11. We live in a a tolerant world, but we're led by an intolerant truth because truth is intolerant. It never changes. Uh, Sometimes uh, I was once told that a a home truth is something about yourself that when someone tells it to you, you need to understand, and it kind of hurts. It kind of cuts to the core. And that's what we do as brothers in Christ. We hold each other accountable. Maybe somebody tells you something that, that's true, but you didn't want to hear. So Jesus in Matthew 11:16, 16, he says, To what can I compare this generation? Talking about this time that he's speaking to in the Jews. They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. I had, I, For me to understand that, I had to kind of dig into it and research it. But if you remember when you were a smaller boy, and some of us uh, uh, even smaller, when I grew up, it was a time of three channels on TV, and I remember we'd eat dinner, and we'd go out when the news came on, because that's all that was on TV was three channels of news. And so we would go outside and we would play Army. Well, the kids, the Jewish times, uh, uh, at these times, when they would go to the marketplace, these Jewish kids would go out and they would play wedding and funeral games. So when they talked about that, you know, the pipe, For you and you did not dance was a wedding. And we sang a dirge and did not mourn. And it goes on and says, For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds so we hear that those words you have completely two opposite two bookends you have one John living in the in the wilderness eating locusts and hunting and, and dressed in in uh, a goats coat and people would go out to be baptized by him he was the herald that announced Jesus Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. In Mark 1, it was announced, you know, Jesus came to earth as as not only fully God but fully man, but said, repent for the kingdom of God is near. You know, when Jesus is preaching here, he talks about the good news. The good news is he hadn't done what he came to do yet. But the good news, but the kingdom of God had come near. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Corazon. Woe to you, Besteza. And these were were towns in north of Galilee that actually... Uh, where these miracles have been performed. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would not have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day judgment than for you talking to these Jews. And you, Capernaum, Will you be lifted to heaven? No, you will go down to Hades, for the miracles that were performed in you have performed in Sodom. It would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. It's interesting. uh, These were the times that Jesus was living in, and he's talking his truth to his own people. Um... In Acts thirteen thirty six, for David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation or his own time, he went to the grave. We're in our times, and uh, I was just thinking the other day. In twenty fifteen, if you remember, that was the year that they, um, uh, gay marriage was uh, okayed and a clerk up in kentucky refused to issue a marriage certificate and that was just settled uh last year in the supreme court 2022 but she she would not issue it to two males and uh we find uh today's culture they don't want to hear truth because uh as oz guinness says uh God is dead, truth is dead, and all's left is power. But uh, unfortunately, to diffuse power, you have to have truth. But we all live in a culture and time that we've been appointed. Paul goes on to say that we should seek God, and he's actually not far from each one of us. And that's in Acts 17 27. It's hard to believe for somebody that doesn't believe in God. It's hard to believe for what I call false Christians as well that say they're Christians, but their lifestyles doesn't reflect it. Um, We live in a... The general consensus is that we live in a post-Christian, anti-Christian anti-scriptural, anti-Christ time. And decades of corrupt thinking has killed Western society in a sense of Christian influence over education, economics, media, politics, medicine, and public health. And all these issues are downstream from culture. Just remember, politics Is downstream from the culture that we live in today. Scripture says that pride comes before the fall. And as John MacArthur states, gay pride has been the final act that pushed the culture off the platform into the incoming train of divine judgment. Going back to uh, 2015, it was all all about just uh, marriages between same-sex and they wanted to be just like us they wanted to uh, be able to marry in the churches but marriage is biblical they could have you know uh, same sex uh, marriage could already you could already go and have a civil union in in the uh, court system so but like I said truth is inco- tolerant. And all truth is from God, and no truth ever originated inside a human. We even need to uh, remind the scientists of that. You know, they're to interpret the truth, not to determine the truth. And uh, also in in uh, Matthew 7, Jesus talked about the narrow and wide gate. True Christianity versus religion, being the church instead of going to church. Jonathan, uh, a couple weeks ago, talked about religion in uh, Christianity and biblical truth. We basically de-Christianized our society. Hostility towards God makes Christianity unpopular and resides in every human heart. Jeremiah 17, 11, The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? Churches have tried to be friendly to culture and fallen into this trap. We have to be faithful in enemies of the world. The death of truth, faith, hope, joy, honesty. In John 15, Jesus says, the world hates you. Keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. And John 7, 7 says, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that it works are evil. The world says there's no absolute truth. And moral relativism says that there's no ultimate authority. And personal freedom says there's no divine rules. Humanistic atheism says no sovereign judge. This is perfectly fine to the sinner. This is natural to our fallen, his fallen condition. Objectivity, it's the reality of the source of truth, is completely outside of us. Like I said, no truth ever was originated in man. There's only four chapters in the Bible where man didn't sin, the first two chapters and the last two chapters. All the rest of it is a story of our fall and the story of redemption. The Bible you can break into four parts creation, the fall, redemption, and restoration. You read it like that, it'll change you, even change a non believer. Um, Just because I believe something, that's irrelevant to truth. If only one person believes the truth, it's still true. What's true is true is always true. What is reality is it's it's identity. It's not a question of human perception. It's a question of reality. The simple law of non-contradiction, nothing can be and not be at the same time. Anything that contradicts Scripture is untrue. Just because a majority believes a lie, it's still a lie, no matter how many believe it. Spiritual truth is ever defined by someone's, it's never defined by someone's experience. It's not unique to an individual. We are not the origin of any truth. Psalms one nineteen one sixty 160 says, all your words are true, all your righteous laws are eternal. Isaiah fifty five eleven says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth it will not return to me empty, but will achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So what are we dealing with in our time and culture? People want to have more dialogue, as long as you agree with them. 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 says, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. As mentioned, Genesis 1, 27, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Romans 6, 17, thanks be to God that though you were used to be, you used to be slaves of sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. I don't know about y'all, but I, in leading this class on Sunday, it's probably done more for myself than, than anyone. You can't, it's impossible to read scripture daily and it not change you. Scripture is the mind of Christ. Soft words produce hard hearts. Hard words, hard teaching is a jackhammer of God. Jeremiah 23, it's not my word like a fire and a hammer that breaks a rock to pieces. Truth is intolerant. 1 John 2, 21, no lie is of the truth. I say all these things in... uh, I wanted to uh, end just talking about some of the, the readings besides the Holy Word that I've gone through and, and read over these last few years. Uh, some of the authors, Dr. Glenn Sunshine's Why You Think the Way You Do. Uh, another one, Secular Creed by Rebecca McLaughlin. It talks about five secular creeds that we see today. Um, black lives matter you know if you hadn't lived you know we we get accused of being white i'm looking at a white sheet of paper and i'm not even close to that i look at my friend mr chester berryfield here he doesn't look black to me we all different colors of, of brown you know god produced you know we're all one race we're just different ethnicities we're the human race, uh, Me Too movement, another secular movement. Me Too uh, is about women's rights to abortion. I mean, that's that's what we're talking about in Me Too. Uh, gay pride, you know the rainbow. You know, uh, you see the rainbow everywhere. All these are are issues uh the new one uh is i like to see it i see it and as mentioned i've been transportation i read a lot of transportation contracts and a lot of things that have been uh inserted now in these contracts is what they call esg issues uh, which is uh, socialistic uh, uh equity uh diversification and governmental are you following all these things i asked my boss once uh what we were doing for sustainability because well we're making money to be sustainable we're having to you know we buy the most efficient tractors we can they're very expensive and uh we have really nothing to do with with electricity you know you'll never have a truck go 500 miles on electricity some of the you'll see things on uh YouTube, where electric trucks are being told by a diesel truck. You know, that's truth right there. Maybe you'll have an electric truck someday, you know, as a hostler. If I go to my customers, they say, What do you, are you all looking at electricity for trucks? I said, Well, uh, maybe if we can bid on your yard hostling and you want to invest $30,000 in a charging post, a charging port at your facility. Yeah, we might buy an electric tractor if you want to give us that contract for five years, and this is your rate, but we'll be, uh, we'll be green with you. You know, uh, I guess the uh, truth that, uh, that really got me, one of the tire manufacturers that I call on asked me, you know, what we're doing to go green, and this is coming from someone that uses carbon black to produce their product. <laughs> you know, you just kind of scratch your head sometimes. When you hear things, and you, you know, that's what, it's something else that happens. Uh, Thaddeus Williams gave a uh, webinar here for the COSIM Fellows. Uh, one thing that may be, it may be a big secret here, but uh, I've talked about it a couple times, and maybe Gary, Gary is a CFIT COSIM Fellow in training, will graduate uh, in uh, May. Give Gary a big hand um but you know we have uh we actually lead the memphis cohort it meets here once a month back right back here behind the stage if you're interested uh lauren douglas and sandra mansfield david's uh better half uh lead lead this um i went through it during covid sandra used to be my sunday school teacher and and uh one thing I've recognized about Sandra is she was always prepared. and uh, But one, one thing, too, she asked me every year, you know, if I'd want to go through the Colson Fellows program and, uh, and just never fit. And then when COVID hit, I had time because that's what you have to do. You have to create the time. We're all given so many minutes in a week. No one has any. Any more, any less? Our God and Creator lives outside of time. And uh, one thing I wanted to read, and it's from one of the the uh, teachers from uh, Colson Fellows, is Paul Gould, and uh, it's a book called Culture Apologetics. And it was talking about we started out in Acts seventeen. I just kind of wanted to end on this. Uh, On a second missionary journey after being run out of Thessalonica in Berea, I always thought it was interesting that uh, there wasn't a book of the Bereans because they were actually kind of kind to Paul. It was was over in Thessalonica that he was beaten in Lystra, and and he told Barnabas, let's go back and get some more. And uh, Paul found himself in Athens waiting for the arrival of his companions, Silas and Timothy. Athens was one of the greatest cities of the ancient world, a center of intellectual and cultural achievement. Great philosophers such as Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, Zeno, Epicurus, and Epicurus lived there. Athens also produced the famous playwrights such as Meander and Aristotle. These are Greek names, so I'm probably butchering them, as well as important historians. A walk through the Agora, which was the marketplace, would reveal a pantheon of idols indicative of the Athenians' religious devotion. One could find temples for the worship of Roman Caesars, Greeks, and Roman gods, and countless other shrines and idols. A novelist at the time wrote of Athens, a city of roughly 25,000 people, it's easier to meet a God, that's a little g, in the street than a human. It's no wonder Paul was greatly distressed, Acts seventeen sixteen, As he walked the streets of Athens, he was confronted at every turn by multitudes of lifeless idols. As Paul went about preaching Jesus in the resurrection, first in the synagogues and then in the marketplace, Paul would go, if you read through Acts or read through his letters, he'd always go to the synagogues first because he could pick up what the culture was of that particular town and the heartbeat of it. It's important that we recognize culture. He was invited to address the leaders of the city on Mars Hill. In his speech, we find a helpful model for engaging our Athens, our Athens, with the truth, beauty, and goodness of the gospel. First, Paul affirmed what he could affirm. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Arapagos and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God, so you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you in Acts 17, 22, 23. God's not far from any one of us, even the unsaved. As as Paul uh, mentioned in Timothy Timothy 1, 2, and 3, that God wants all people to be saved. Um, If you go and read the first verse, chapter of first corinthians paul talks about what the world is today they god doesn't reveal themselves to the world because they don't want to hear it. but we have to be prepared to ask the question talk to others about where they are this last weekend you know we we saw um, 42 men and uh, this weekend i think rob and jason you going in they're going back in to follow-up and that's the real test if we see 42 come back for the instructional meeting Uh, Kairos 12 we saw all four we saw 40 of the 42 pilgrims come back one of them had family was visiting and one of them was in the infirmary of the two that didn't come back we do a prayer and share every Saturday where five to six men will go into the prison and they will lead the worship. We might get five minutes to speak, but we we will sit in these circles of men and we'll talk about God's truth right here. We use a little guide called the the, the Freedom Guide. And uh, let's don't get caught up in religion, but let's get caught up in what Jesus has appointed us to be here at this time it's a fast moving you know let's put our uh idiot devices down and look up you know and and recognize the people around us because in matthew 28 jesus says as you go you know your mission field is right in front of you it's right in front of you as you go it may be a start off with a kind world you know not all of us are uh harvesters some of us are sowers you know we got to start sowing the seeds of truth and the only truth in this world is given to us in this book right here this has never changed ever so if anyone's interested in going through the colson fellows they're taking signups now um April thirteenth, there's a uh, informational webinar at noon, and if you'd like more information, you can come. This is technology here. You can come scan this QR code. Code. Uh, I always get a kick out of someone sends me a QR code on my e- my iPhone. I'm trying to figure out how to turn this. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> so, I'm. Uh, I have to call my son. I'm not technologically technologically advanced in doing that, but. I appreciate the time, and uh, thank you all.